You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, there we go. Evening, everybody. Welcome. It's the 29th of June. And uh, you're listening to episode 57 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Welcome. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, then thanks very much. Um, but what we do like you to do, if you can, is join us uh, for the live feed. Um, and people will start coming very shortly. We go out every Tuesday night at eight o'clock UK time to Facebook, where you can join us um, and ask the guests questions and network with each other. And you can also join us on YouTube. We stream live there as well at the same time, 8 p.m. UK. Um, or... You can always download it later on your favorite app as a podcast. So there we go. And people are coming in as we speak. Hi, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm great. I know I'm actually live. That's always um, nice to see. So um, I need to I'm thinking in my head now I need to be snappy, 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 because last week's guest, uh, Rob Bevan, with um, co-host of the Back Pain podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it. The feedback's been great, as always. Um, they liked it so much. I mean, Rob is a fantastic host. He's not so used to being in the answer uh, the answer chair, like the guest chair. So I think he did very well last week. Um, but they liked it so much. What they've actually done is they've put it out as a podcast on the Back Pain podcast as well. So they kind of used the audio from last week, and it's on there. So you can watch it either on our podcast, on Apple, or wherever you choose, or you can listen to the Back Pain podcast. But I went and listened to the Back Pain podcast, and even now I'm regretting that I'm talking because i just talk so much don't i please in the comments tonight just tell me to shut up occasionally um i just and here i am still talking so yeah so thanks rob thanks for on many different ways you've helped me um both as a host and in terms of educating the people it's a great episode and um go do check it out and, li- and look at the rest of the stuff on the back pain podcast um website as well um fantastic guys and really good information out there anyway not going to talk more about that. Um, tonight's guest you will have seen is going to be uh, Mike James, who a lot of you, particularly in the room, those who join us every week will be very aware of Mike James, um, also known as the endurance physio um, and also a director of Sports Injury Fix. Um, and we're going to have a chat tonight. Um, one of the favorite topics of mine, CPD, so continued professional development, the past and the future. OK, so we're going to talk about whether things have changed according to maybe COVID-19 has made a change. Maybe it was coincidence and things were always going to change and what we should be looking for. Do we know what we're looking for and all these sort of fantastic things, which I hope will be fantastically useful to everyone who joins us um, live and also people listening to the podcast. Um, I think that's about it. As always, if you do enjoy it, then share it on Facebook. Um, you can uh, put it out now if you like and share it on your timeline so people can watch it live on your timeline or just give us some stars and ratings, um, particularly on Apple podcast that'd be great thank you very much right but so i don't have to interest myself anymore we're going to be joined now by mike james and also by sta founder gary benson i'm going to bring them up now gentlemen how are you good evening evening. that's it i just want to sit back now and let you two talk um you would have heard in the intro i'm just sick of it so i've really got to cut my talking time down uh mike first of all how you doing mate long time no see Long time no see. Great to be back. Mr. Bevan is a lovely man who actually, bringing our worlds together, completed his first ultra on Sunday. Oh, yes, I did see that. Yeah. He's talking about swollen fingers, wasn't he? Which I personally haven't come across before, but apparently it's something that does affect people. Maybe to do with dehydration or something. You knew about that, did you? Did that ring bells with you and your yeah, various... Yeah, yeah we chatted various... a couple of times in his training for it. Um, didn't know his fingers were going to end up so fat. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that is something that affects some people. Yeah, lovely guy. It's really nice. Um, and Gary, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, very well at all. 
Fantastic. Right. So people in the house today, as always, um, when you hear me saying hi to people, it's because they're joining us live and I can bring them up on the screen. Um, so if you do fancy networking and joining us, then do do that. So Catherine, hi, hey, how are you doing? And Alistair Cunningham is in the house as well. Uh, Becky Carroll, how are you? Andy Glover says, been listening to the Back Pain podcast all week. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry if I break relationships and mean children go without parenting for a while. It is a great podcast and there's so many episodes, 60 so episodes with fantastic guests so yeah i apologize but i'm also quite pleased if i've led people to listen to that um but anyway on to tonight's show um we're going to talk about cpd um in particular um the past compared to the future so mike um, i've been dying to talk to you for a long time now um you've been very busy i see on social network and and all over the shop so why did you choose cpd do you think as a topic why is it hot now what do you think we need to talk about I think it's one of those topics that's always sort of on the back burner. It's always bubbling away. It tends to lift itself into the front line a lot of the time. But it's something that I've always been probably the most passionate about of all the things involved in in therapy, partly because I've been a provider of it for for a long time and partly because I've been a consumer of it for a long time. Um, And the good thing about getting older is you learn lessons and you evolve and you reflect And um, I certainly look back at my journey and the journey of others around me and and realize that we got quite a lot of things wrong with CPD. And I still see people today making those same mistakes. So um, so as as probably the dad in me kicks in, I'm trying to help those younger people, those newer people to avoid some of the time wasting and the money wasting and regrets potentially that they may make further down the line. I don't know if Matt's frozen there, Mike. I mean, I think yeah, coming. Oh, have I? No, no, you're back now, Matt. You're back now. Have I frozen? All right. That was probably just me <laughs> being old and a father. I did that. Didn't freeze. I just was thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So becoming a father, getting older is it is something that obviously affects us. And hopefully there is a bit of wisdom as we get older. We get a bit more frugal of our money, maybe. And we start thinking what we're spending on. But Gary, do you think it's something that comes with age? Is it the case of the older therapist trying to help the younger therapist who maybe has got more income to stop before you start paying yeah i think we we all have an obligation don't we to to our families and our wider therapist communities to use the benefit of our experience to advise them and if i can stop somebody wasting some money um i'm I'm always happy to do that we're already talking quite negatively about cpd like wasting this money and that is it is is that us being cynical or do you really feel there is a lot of this goes to both of you? Is there kind of a lot of CPD out there? Or is it on the increase of potential to for therapists to waste their money? Well, I think if, if I may, I'll just go in on this, Mike, because I think what happens is that people get to, you know, a renewal period, for example, and I send them a reminder four weeks before they're due to renew and they think, oh, bloody heck, I haven't done my CPD. Let's see what's going on. And they'll just... To satisfy an obligation and a policy that I've written, they might book onto something or consider something that might not be worthy of their time at any other part of the year. So I would rather have the conversation. They ring me up and say, look, Gary, uh, you know, it's been a really difficult year. You know, family life's taken over. I've only got 18 hours of my 24 hours. You know, 
if I commit to, you know, to, to doing something extra next year, you know, can I still have my renewal in, in place? And I'd be really flexible and say, well, yes, thank you for your honesty. Um, by the way, we have got 56 hours of free to access CPD on our website, podcast, web chats, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, why not consider listening to a podcast on the way to work or on the way shopping or, you know, if you want a break from the kids? So, yeah, I think some of the decisions are, are, are made by policy writers like myself who are saying we need this amount of CPD per year and then life taking over and it becomes a last minute grab anything that you can. And to you, Mike, same question. Yeah. So I think you can waste money on CPD, but you can also just direct the money you do have in a better way. And as Gary said, understand that there is a ton of really good CPD that you do not need to pay for. And I think that's that's the key thing here. It's it's trying to establish an understanding and, and, and a, a structure almost to decide what CPD you need rather than just going out. The, the mandated hours is always a really interesting concept because I understand the, the rationale behind it and the necessity of it to document someone's learning. But it does do exactly what Gary said. It makes people chase these hours. And we've all been there and we all know therapists who've selected a course because of the hours. I've taught courses in the past and, and I'd like to think the courses I sometimes provide are, are, are useful. And the first question people have is, is this CD, CPD hours I can use? And if you say, well, no, it's not accredited hours, but I think it'd be something that could really help you as a therapist. And they just go, no, thanks because they've just got their priorities, they've put the cart before the horse a little bit, and they're thinking of the hours, not the actual learning experience to improve them as a therapist or as a business owner. This thing about keeping up with the hours, is that something which kind of particularly affects sports therapists and sports massage therapists, Gary? As far as I'm aware, other organisations haven't really got that obligation. It depends on kind of if you're... It's it's across the board, Matt. Any member of any association has an obligation to professionally develop themselves you know I, I like to think that I'm a little bit fo- more forward thinking than some um, that, that might be maybe my rose tinted glasses there but you know let's just say that we have a personal trainer who is also a graduate sports therapist who is also a teaching professional or a qualified assessor now they may have to for their uh, to to maintain their qualified teacher status they may have to do some education cpd to to maintain their um their, their sort of quality assurance qualification they may have to do something along those lines um you know if i'm saying well as a sports therapist you need to do 24 hours and and um, simsborough are saying as a personal trainer you need to do 16 hours you know i'm i'm happy to say well actually if you're doing cpd it doesn't really matter what part of your practice it's informing it's making you a better professional so i'm willing to accept that unfortunately some other people don't accept that they see it as their industry is very niche and, and if you're an exercise professional you must do exercise based cpd interesting i didn't realize i thought it was more case in other professions that they're kind of i thought it was in our profession speaking for sports therapists sport massage therapists there was more this onus on how many hours you had to get by in order to stay a member but a therapist for example who doesn't belong to a professional association in theory yeah. then doesn't have to do any cpd not at all that's what i'm getting at so it's kind of like 
maybe that maybe the problem is kind of setting it almost as homework and it takes people back to school and thinking oh i just got to get these hours done and just fill it with something and is there an alternative way of kind of portraying cpd from the beginning when people join up to make them think that they're not kind of chasing an assignment or something they've got a hand in what do you think mike is it presented the wrong way or is there no other formula for doing it I think it's presented in a, in, a, in a lot of fundamental education ways. It has to be presented a certain way to tick the boxes and, and make sure people are competent to start practicing. What we need then is a line in the sand that shows it's different afterwards. Um, maybe there's an innovative way and an inventive way to change it from the outset. I, I don't know. If I'm honest, I've not really directed my... Um, my thinking around the institutional type learning, it's always been the more post-grad vocational stuff. But um, but again, discussions like this could just be a brilliant CPD for someone to think about their CPD and, and not thinking about what skill can I learn, what qualification can I get? Um, you know, if I was to try and direct the, the, the post-grad le- or the initial learning even to to a new framework of thinking, the key thing I would always try to get people to do is, is to, yes, you have to, you have to look at it two ways. You have to think long-term. What skills may I need to start putting in place for where I want my career to end up? So let's say you want to work in professional sport or you want to work within a certain population. I need to build blocks to get me to that point. And that point might take 10 years to get there. But what they often do then is they neglect the person who's in front of them now, today in the clinic, the the skills that they may actually need today for their business or their patient population at the expense of the new stuff. So there's always an advanced skill. There's always a new skill. There's, there's not much consolidation. And I think my personal reflection, something I've done as I've got older, the relearning of old skills. I think that is a fundamental ball that we've dropped as, as an industry. 45-year-old me can read a book that I read at 35 or the same book I read at 25. I'm a different person now. I can understand and interpret that book differently as an adult, but also as a a more experienced therapist. So you know there's always this bookcase behind me whenever we chat. I've reread some of these books half a dozen times. And every time I've reread them, I've gone, ah, that makes sense now. It didn't make sense initially, or I thought it made sense. That's hundreds of hours of quality CPD behind me. We won't talk about the expense. It was quite expensive. But um, but that's the sort of thing I've started to think about CPD. It's not about the new shiny thing that's out or the cleverly marketed, cleverly gimmicked course, which is what we all fall for. You know, the amount of money and time I spent on things for fear of missing out. Everybody else is doing this new modality. I'm not a good therapist if I don't do that modality as well. And, you know, I mean, I, lit- I I went on acupuncture courses when I never, ever intended to use acupuncture. But I was going from the military, from the NHS into private practice and suddenly thought, if someone walks, if an endurance athlete walks into my clinic and says, do you do acupuncture? And I go, no. They'll think, well, they associate physio and acupuncture. I, I, I must, can't, I can't be very good. So I went off and spent tons of time and tons of money doing my acupuncture course Never intended to use it. I've used it probably 20 times in my life, and I've used it for years, um, just to say, well, I do do it, but I actually think your treatment would be better off going a different way. And I look back now and I think, you know, I should have had more about me at the time to just go, no, my needs analysis is that I don't need that qualification, and I can justify my treatment in a different way. 
and that time, money, energy and effort could have just been directed in, in better ways to helping the people in front of me. Very interesting. How I'm interested also because you said what people need, which we can talk about the difference between need and want is really relative. But we've all kind of said, oh, there's lots of um, CPD out there, which is a waste. How are you going to define CPD as a waste? Will that depend on what journey the person's taking? Or is there kind of a category where we can put certain types of CPD in straight away and everyone will agree, really, if they look deep, that that is a waste? Gary, how would you define wasted CPD? Right. OK, so this this kind of comes in with um, with some of the comments that are coming in, which we'll discuss in a minute. But let's just say that uh, I'm trying to satisfy a CPD policy. I see that my local um, holistic care centre um, is running a one day modality on Indian head massage. OK, oh, have I got an interest in Indian head massage? Well, I haven't, but it's cheap. It's local. It ticks a box. So I go and do it. That could be described as a waste. Mike's example about his, um, you know, his acupuncture would be described as a waste of, of time, resources and money. But also as well, you know, somebody's saying that the ISRM, uh, Ada said that the ISRM, our friends over there, they, they accept podcast reading depending what you do. Well, yeah, it's great. And Mike mentioned earlier that he's reread some of the books and I guarantee that he's reflected on how his opinion has changed about the first time that he read the book or the second time or his understanding of a principle in that book. That is valuable CPD if we're reflecting and we're working in the background um, and we're producing some reflection documents and uh, we, we, we're putting together the, the theories of reflective practice, if you like, for our website. But also as well, you know, we have to consider that, that some of our members, um, as we've evolved over the years, you know, instead of just having foundation degree sports therapists and, and graduate sports therapists and people from a diploma and fitness background, we've now got a lot of um, level three sports massage therapists who are applying sports massage, pre and post event and maintenance massage on uninjured tissue. Now, is it fair for me to ask them to reflect on their CPD. They might not understand how to reflect, how to look back at what they've learned, how it's informed them, how it's going to make them a better therapist, because with greatest respect, they apply massage. You know, they probably are part of their, their education journey where they're not yet familiar with reflection practices and the theories of reflection. And so this is something that we intend to help our members with. So, you know, generally, it, uh, you know, my rule of thumb is if the CPD is named after a person, it's a waste. You know, it, it's it's ego driven. It's commercially driven. Uh, you know, interestingly, I am bringing out, of course, Gary Benson's CPD uh, course <laughs> in the near future. But, you know, it, it's you know, that that's my opinion. It, it may differ from other people's opinion. I, and I respect that. And I'm not going to be. Um, you know, too critical about the CPD that, that, that my members do, as, as long as we can encourage them to to say, you know, how it's changed as a therapist. You and I, Matt, when we started this a year ago, we didn't think we'd be talking about women's period health and endometriosis. But the, the, this journey has that it's taken us on, we, we've both said this has been valuable learning in CPD for us because we're now discussing things that actually have more of an influence on presenting conditions in our clinic than taking part in a, a one day practitioner workshop. 
So it's interesting. So basically, I'm going to come to you in a sec, Mike. You're saying that, yeah, if you're not going to use it, then that's a nice way of deciding there's been a waste. You might be attracted to it. But like you said, the acupuncture, the Indian head massage. But if so, that means that if you are going to use it, then that's useful CPD. Is that Michael's? Could that be a potential pitfall? Well, it could be a pitfall, but it all depends on the person. You know, what I describe and 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 agree might be be useful for me might not be useful for anybody else and i'm going to respect their opinion yeah we're all adults we're all over 18 here we you know we can make our own decisions but i may ask you to justify that decision to me in your cpd statement or at audit it's interesting because i'm just saying because i've had a i've had quite i've probably say about it's probably reaching double figures now of emails saying matt really good podcast and the sta and and, and you know ha, you know um congratulations for us and everything which is really nice and always appreciate it but one of the common questions has been in your cp you're always going on about evidence-informed practice and stuff but then we look at some of the cpd you offer and it's really kind of like some of it's like really lacking the evidence department and how come you're still offering it um well, i've got my answer to that but what would be your answer well you know just before you go over to mike then i mean my answer to that is what we're trying to do with these web chats is we're trying to expose our members to um, a subject that may be on the periphery of our normal practice um but we, we're looking at the evidence information that's out there and, and and you know we had walt fritz on and he spoke about his his time teaching myofascial release which is widely discredited by the wider industry now and he he spoke about how valuable it was to reflect on what he used to teach what he underst understands now and he referenced gil headley's fuzz speech and how gil headley had said well actually i've got it wrong and and, and this is now what we think you know with regards to gel and sol for the for the fascial state um and then we had chris norris talking about posture you know and, and you can go onto the internet and and, and find you know joe smith's postural correction course uh, available and and what dr chris norris said was well sometimes posture is important as a consideration and sometimes it's not important so we're trying to expose and we're trying to create discussion and and if we're getting an email saying well actually i challenge you you know for, for doing this we have to justify it we have to you know stand up and be counted and put our heads above the parapet and say we're doing it for this reason mike any of those points we've talked about so how would you define wasted cpd does it depend on who the person is and so on so i think any CPD is wasted CPD if you don't evolve from it. So I remember early 2000s, I went on a um, orthotic prescription course, which obviously back in the day, we were all thrown around like sweets. And um, this course, basically, you know, we were doing wet foot tests and here's the three types of, of thing. If someone comes in with this, give them that. If they come in with this, give them this one. And we left the day. Now, you could argue eight hours of absolute wasted time that was just a sales pitch from the authority company. But the very next day, the six of us, who would, it was all the same department, the six of us sat down and just spent two hours chatting about the course. And we worked out what we could use it for, what we might not use it for, what we thought about it. And we did the same six months later. Now, whether we moved away from that thinking completely or whether someone fully absorbed themselves in it, it was the reasoning and the critical thinking of the day made it valuable CBD. What we didn't do is suddenly walk into clinic the next day with a new hammer and see everyone as a nail and not really use the CPD to, to, to benefit us. Um, so good CPD can be anything that improves your ability to help people now 
or in the future as a stepping stone. In I, I was trying to, when Gary was speaking, I was trying to rack it into a sentence. And um, it's not a perfect sentence, but a sentence I would always use for what is good CPD is it's something that leaves you with more questions than answers. You should not believe in any CPD, whichever format you do it in, going, right, cool, I know that, that's brilliant, now I can do it. Yes, there's certain techniques and modalities which are, you know, this way or that way. Um, but, you know, you guys, myself, the guys at SIF, we're all friends with Rocktip. And if we use Rocktip as an example with their education, the one thing I've always liked about it is here's a number of ways we're not saying any of them are better than others. It's for the clinician to leave the course going. It's my clinical reasoning skills that can evolve from doing this course rather than how to stick this bit of tape on or how to use this cup or how to use this this um, massage gun or something. It's it's the application of that sort of knowledge that they've given you. So um, any CPD can be good. Any CPD can be bad. I think it's about the pre and post learning experience of of do I really need or want this? Because it's fine to do something that you want. If you've got tons of money sitting in the bank and you're happy to spend it on something and there's you've ticked off all the boxes of the things you need now, absolutely go and do a course because you want to do a course. But if you're using the last bit of money in your business or your budget on a course that isn't something that's effective or essential, then you should really be learning how to analyze what CPD you're doing more. I like that. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah, yes, the critical thinking afterwards, um, and and I like the idea. Yeah, if you're taught something and then the next, it's got all the answers, then probably there's something alarm bell should go ringing off. Gary, so you're going to say something? Yeah, I'm just going to pick up on a couple of points that uh, my old colleague Brian Huxley, and I do mean old mm -hmm. Brian, uh, <laughs> he 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 mentioned, and he said that accreditation is not necessarily a a, a mark of 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 quality, and and I agree with that. That's why we have moved away. With, from accrediting CPD, we do have an accreditation process simply for those who those companies like Rock Tape, um, who Mike mentioned, and, and it comes on to Brian's second point about the STA pushing more certain CPD courses and workshops. We, we don't push them; we enter into relationship with people and we identify them and we we do publicise them, but we're not saying you you should go and do this. You know, it's it's about those companies who are willing to offer up their CPD to external validity, uh, you know, and, and want to enter into a, a, a non-financial relationship. You know, we don't sell CPD courses. We don't have any financial benefit from any CPD courses, uh, but we do give away a certain number of courses. But that, that's what's given to us. Um, so, yeah, accreditations are, you know, it's a really strange one because, Mike mentioned before that people say, is it accredited? You know, it doesn't place the value on on the CPD itself. And, and, and I'm happy for anybody to go and do an unaccredited CPD course that we, we might not accredit or anybody else might not accredit. But as, as again, as Mike said, you know, it's how you reflect on that, how you sit down the next day with a group of colleagues or even after the course, you meet in the cafe and say, well, what do you think to that? You know, how, has that made you think differently? Will I be able to use this in clinical practice? It's good. I like um, Becky's um, comment here <clears throat> where she says certificate of attendance versus certificate of competence seems to be more popular, which is kind of like, yeah, it's another middle for the wall, isn't it? I've done this course, I've done this course. Look how many courses I've done. But again, 
is it actually made you better at doing something or helped you? Oh, and we did, about... if, you if you remember when we went with David Balin, um, we did discuss the competency versus attendance model. Mm. Uh, and, and it's widely accepted that a, a certificate of competency um, is is the minimum requirement for something that's regarded as high risk by the underwriters. So, um, you know, acupuncture, uh, manipulations, uh, those kind of things. But but generally for a, for a low risk modality, for example, sticking a piece of sticky tape on somebody, you might not have to be occupationally competent. And, and what rock tape do is say, well, this is one way of doing it and this is another way of doing it. We're not going to judge you because you stick it from origin to insertion rather than insertion to origin. You know, we'll investigate what a piece of ticky tape does on the skin, how it how it might manipulate some, um, you know, sort of the, the, the neuromuscular system. And we'll let you play around with it and see how you get the best benefits. I'm interested, Mike, I know with sports injury, one of the, things I, one of the many things I like about sports injury fix is kind of chatting with members and mentoring. Basically, it's a it's a big mentoring group where you get people to massively self-reflect and talk to each other with peer kind of education. But I'm interested where, with the need against the want, do you find in your experience that a lot of therapists, and not just, I keep saying thinking younger, but any therapist who hasn't self-reflected before, so it could be a therapist who's been at the game for 10, 15 years, they need a, is it an education thing. They need a, a certain conversation sometimes with somebody who's going to open up that thought to actually reflect themselves and realise, actually, I never realised what I did need. You've made it so clear. Is that something that happens? I think sometimes, but it's situational and it's it's luck. And, and, and if you manage to fall in, you know, how many of our generation of therapists found gurus rather than mentors? We found people who you tried to copy and emulate and learn their skills and basically become a disciple so that you practiced someone's methods, someone's techniques, someone's principles. But now, and, and, you know, we could reel off a list of some of those sort of um, leaders, the thought leaders in the field now, where actually what you get from these guys is a framework of how they think, how they rationalize things, how they perceive and question things. And, and I think that's making people better therapists. So if you're someone who comes along and whether you jump onto social media early on, whether you just fall into the right place somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm certainly remiss to, um, to criticize the NHS, but my time spent in the NHS, the, the, which was very limited and very limited in exposure to, to the wider NHS, it was very much a learning journey set back in the ways of whoever your clinical educator was. If they were good, you ended up as good. If they were out of date and stuck in their ways, that's what happened to you, unless you could break that mold and, and, and evolve yourself. So, um, so I think definitely the mentoring, and it is something, as you say, that we do, Whenever we've run courses before, we always follow it up with a with a, a session on a Zoom call to small groups of members to say, look, you know, let's chat about what you thought from that. Let's let's reflect on it and let's not do it straight away. Let's let the dust settle. Let's make some notes on it. Um, with some of our evolution with our CPD offerings now, that's part of the plan. Small group workshops to really discuss some of the things we talk about and maybe knuckle down and, and delve into the, the weeds of some specific answers for people rather than just generic overview stuff. 
That's great. I think that's one of the advantages, isn't it, of working in a multidisciplinary clinic, which I always feel that I was lucky to because you go in as quite a naive younger therapist with less experience and you've got some kind of extended scope physios working there and you, you start pushing everyone their way thinking, oh, I can't, I don't know what this is, this is weird. And then eventually, because you have conversations with them, they look through your notes, then you get more confidence and you start realizing, okay, I do know my stuff. But for someone who's sitting out by themselves and just got that room in the gym or something, and maybe that continues for two or three years, they're missing out on that chance for for that chat aren't they for that peer education and sharing and it's tricky which is where i guess finding an organization where you do chat with other therapists can be really useful yeah but again you know i think just that general mindset even now that uh, and this would be almost like um maybe undertaking some business development sort of learning stop seeing the therapist down the road or around the corner or in the next town or village as your competition see them as your collaborators to benefit all your patients there may well still be some people out there who'll try to steal your parent, uh, steal your parents, steal your patients, <laughs> criticize them, um, criticize some of the things you do. But ultimately, we should really, you can create a network so easily these days, whether it's virtually or in person. And, you know, we, but we don't think of that. We think about what do I need to do to pull patients into my clinic? What do I need to do to make my patients better? Not what can we do to improve the whole collective of the therapy world? Interesting. Do you think COVID-19 has, has played a part in, in change? We've said it a few times on the show that it's kind of brought therapists together. We've had a common problem, a common theme, and it's kind of made people talk a bit more. Do you think, Gary, that it's kind of that's maybe improved people's ability to chat and look for better, make better choices and options? I think it's definitely given us a, a wider scope for considering CPD. And we, we spent a lot of time uh, during covid you know, with, with things like this web chat and, and some of the stuff that Scott and I were doing on the coffee morning chats was to to make ourselves available for people so we could discuss. And and there are a couple of comments in the in the thread now. And I do apologize. I can't respond when I'm when I'm live. I can't be responding to these comments because I'm a man and I don't multitask. So any two from three things I can do, but any more than that, and I'm, I'm lost. But, you know, if anybody's got any concerns about CPD or, or wants to talk about mentoring, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, to take calls from members. And I speak to, you know, dozens of members every day um usually if you send me an email i'll respond to that with a telephone call i've spoken to a couple this evening just before we came live um so the one thing that covid has has given us is the advantage of, of, of doing things remotely my concern is that you know companies have gone online you know, and what used to be a, a practical course, a two day course is now, you know, a, a one day um, Zoom and and then a couple of follow up sessions, which you might be pre-recorded. And, and I can't see some companies going back from that business model now because it's easy. It's repeatable. You can start the course at any time. You don't have to hire a hotel or conference facilities. Um, the danger is, though, that, you know, if it's supposed to be a hands on therapy, we shouldn't be doing it online. And, and that goes back to, to Becky's point about the competency. You know, how do you check somebody's competency if you're doing it through a Zoom uh, camera? I, I just don't think you can. To you, Mike. Yeah, I, th I think certainly um, to echo Gary's comments there, you know, competency and convenience are two fundamentally different things. 
Um, I think what's what's obviously happened, we all pivoted and shifted in, in the in the pandemic. And if your primary income comes from education, then you switched up to, to keep making money effectively. Whereas what a lot of people did was try to find alternate ways to provide education to their people. Um, what I know will happen, because it happens with a thousand other things in, in our industry, is the pendulum now will swing from complete side to side over the next 6, 12, 18 months until it'll sit in the middle, where what the pandemic will leave us with is, is an ability as therapists to access lots of different ways of learning at times when it's most appropriate for us. What I want the pandemic to do for the industry is make the power player the learner, not the teacher. So you guys now can drive your learning journeys. If you want to go to a conference in person or you want to go to a course in person, you have the power to do so. But if it suits your family, your business, your budget, whatever, to do it remotely, then suddenly you still have the availability to do that learning. But like Gary said, have the nounce and the, 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 the foresight to go, I may not get everything out of this that I wanted to get out of it in a different format but that's okay. I can still use this to benefit me. And I'd like to think, I know I certainly will, whether it's my teaching or my learning, that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to combine. I'm going to be able to access all these different ways of learning at different times to suit me um, and then reflect on that. But I'm not going to fall for the clever marketing, the, the glossy images, the fear of missing out that a lot of them throw at you. Um just just to be able to satisfy someone else's is business needs. I'm going to go, no, I'm going to work out what it is I need and want in my learning. And then I'll find, because now we've, it's a, it should be a buyer's market because now we should be able to choose from this plethora of options that are now available. And at the, at the, the biggest thing to drive it to be in the buyers or the learners game from now on is the readily available, freely accessible CPD that they can now get. Podcasts, blogs, learning, sessions like this. You can get plenty of brilliant CPD without dipping your, your fingers in your pocket at all. And that hopefully will have the counter effect then to make the, learn, the learning providers understand they need to be better. And, um, and hopefully that we'll find that equilibrium in the middle then. Fantastic. Yes. Um, Sarah's point I want to read out because I'm sure listening to the podcast probably, um, as I know many of you do this, there's bound to be other people who are in this position and probably um, I've got exactly the same emotion as Sarah's sharing here. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing this. I'm just going to read it out for people listening to the podcast. So Sarah says, um, I would love mentorship options to build my confidence as I only do this part time and work by myself. I feel I miss out. Uh, on the in-clinic benefits of being able to speak to more experienced therapists. I do think my confidence has taken a knock post-COVID and think something like group session where we can discuss specific client cases confidentially, of course. Does that mean confidentially this message was to me, Sarah, or do you mean that? No, it doesn't mean it means that, yeah, confidential conversations. Well, I mean, that's something I think Gary, I mean, if Gary could, I know he would be emailing you at this very moment, Sarah, but as he said, he can't multitask. But that's something we're already here. We've got the STA coffee mornings. We've got um, uh, sports injury fix. Um, have got um, member meet regular weekly meetings and Mike's putting out kind of ideas to reflect and stimulating conversation. I've attended lots of them and sitting in it. Well, when the weather is out, sitting in your garden, you with 10 other therapists on camera. It's lovely. It's really how it should be. It is therapy for us. The therapist It's really important. So there are options out there, Sarah, and we'll make sure that in here or in the show notes, we'll give you some ideas where you 
can use Zoom calls for the for, for great use where you are meeting other people who could be anywhere in the country with the same problems as you um, and, and, and also solutions you might not have considered. So we'll do that. Really important thing. I'm sure you're not alone there, Sarah. Can I come in on that, Matt, if I may? Yeah, definitely. Um, if there is a call for our weekly coffee morning chats, I'm more than willing to start those back up. You know, what we did do during the during the various lockdowns and, and they ran until um, until April, um, if from memory, um, once once a month we had a one that was targeted on on CPD and and how, one of the particular ones was how to understand research papers, how to um, take information from them that might be useful. Uh, we only had two people attend with that one. If there was a general chat, then we would have anywhere between five and and twenty people. At, you know, coming on and we can discuss those things. I'm more than happy to. And, and what Scott's working on in the background is we, we, we have some bite sized video content with some of our regional representatives, which are available in the members group. But I, I'm more than happy to, you know, to host one and we can discuss a certain condition or a, a certain treatment um, route, if you like, plan. But, you know, also for STA members who, who are on tonight and for those listening on the podcast, if you go to the STA members Facebook group, the members only one in the file section, we have a buddy list and there are about 30 people on that buddy list, all with a speciality subject. So we'll use people who've been on this, this web chat before. If anybody's interested in finding out more about endometriosis, then, then Debs is there with her contact details. I'm in there for sort of pastoral care. If anybody's got any insurance queries, any legal um, issues, then I'm the person to get in contact with. Um, mentoring, I can put you in touch with the right person, uh, you know, possibly in your location. But that's something that the regional reps do as well. So, um, you know, we, we like to think we've got all bases covered, but I'm more than happy to listen to any member who, who wants to, to come on and, you know, and, and I will accordingly invite two people for the 27th of July to discuss what makes them successful as a as, as a clinician. You know, whether they have a single session mentality, are they, they sell single sessions or if they sell groups of sessions. And, and that's something we're going to be doing on the 27th with Mike Grice, which is our part two. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's there. Um, and also it's you guys listen to this who who you can help by just sharing the stuff and letting other people know we are just a drop in the ocean. I mean, you know, we get a lot, lot of listeners. It's fantastic, but it's just a drop in the ocean compared to how many therapists are out there. So we do appreciate when you're sharing stuff. Um, let's talk about, um, so Mike, Sports Injury Fix, the rebrand. Um, it's very relative to what we're doing, so much so that it's now Sports Injury Fix CPD. So talk, talk us through that and how that kind of connects with what we've been talking about tonight. Yeah, of course. So most of us will know us as Sports Injury Fix. When we started a few years ago, it was um, primarily a listing site where, people, where the public could find the right therapist for them. Listening to the feedback and evolving for what, what the members wanted, we created this online booking platform and a, and a patient management software service, basically. Um, funnily enough, it's been our plan for a while, even though it seems sudden now, is we knew that sports injury fix needed to evolve. It wasn't really all-encompassing of the audience that we wanted to have on board. So we've rebranded. Sports injury fix is no more. We're now SIF Health. So we've kept the SIF, as most people knew us as SIF, sports injury fix. So SIF Health does the same thing. We're effectively a platform for all fitness, exercise, and therapy professionals to, to use that service. 
But we also started therapistlearning.com with our friends over at Physio Matters. And we started a subscription service, CPD, where we tried to do all of the stuff that we've chatted about today. Unfortunately, the pandemic meant that project didn't go the way we wanted to. And we both splintered off and, and did our own things with the best of wishes to each other. So the rebrand of the CPD platform is sifcpd.com. And what we've decided to do with this is really focus on what we call mastering the fundamentals. Having hundreds of members and speaking to them constantly, then putting our money where the, our mouth is, we've, we've learned at first-hand experience what therapists need and what they tell us they need rather than just the stuff they want. So we'll still provide events and we'll still provide things that do the things they want. But our fundamental and fundamental offering now will be to try and help you master the skills that you use 80% of the time in clinic with 80% of the people. That will be clinical skills and it will be business-based skills as well. So, um, so we kick it all off. We launch it all uh, this weekend, actually, Friday and Saturday with a, with a, with a launch event. Um, which is really an introduction and an overview to where we're going to try and take it. Malcolm's going to be along on Friday to chat about some um, business basics, online, offline marketing, social media, business plans, that sort of stuff. I'll be along on Saturday. I'll be chatting about exercise prescription and adherence and some of the things people get wrong with that and how we can be better at that. I'll be chatting about uh, clinical assessment, clinical reasoning, patient communications and uh, note keeping and record taking all as a big 10,000 foot view overview to get people to really almost reframe some of the stuff we've chatted about to think think bigger picture about it be brilliant at the basics that's the the little corny tagline we've given it is be world class at the basics not basic at the world class what that will evolve into is almost as an evolution into the mentoring stuff on a weekly rotational basis, those eight topics will be repeated and people will be able to jump on a small group session where as well as reiterating some of those fundamentals, we will make it a real live interactive Q&A. Tell us your problems and let's come up with the solutions for you. Let's learn off each other. Let's learn as a group. We'll facilitate some of that learning and that will run one clinical, one business each week, rotating round on an ongoing basis. Fantastic. I mean, again, it's, I'm seeing you thinking if I had to write a list of 20 things, which probably therapists really do need, I mean, there was no manual therapies in there. It was all about business, 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 which again, hopefully will shock some people and make them think maybe I do need some advice on this. Maybe I do need some help with how to keep my business going, especially if you are becoming a little bit more evidence informed, which I know is kind of a common theme of the podcast and everything, but you're kind of, if normally if you reflect a little bit more, then you're going to start thinking, Oh yeah, I do want to kind of give the client what the evidence kind of suggests is the best thing, but it doesn't mean I have to stop everything else I've heard. So what what does that mean? I'm, oh, I need to think about my business now. How I'm going to change my model a bit? Because I'm not saying to everybody now, oh, yeah, you're going to have to come in for, for, for eight times. But we do kind of nine sessions if you pay for eight now. That's kind of gone out the window now. There's too many people slagging that off. So, But, again, it's tricky. I know everyone in this room is probably thinking, yeah, we know all that. But, it's again, it's share it with people. How did you decide, Mike, on the the things you were going to talk about? 
it's we ask the ask the audience ask the therapy industry what is it that you need what is it that you want what are the what are the themes and we literally were polling our members saying tell us the four things you struggle with most tell us the four things you use the most tell us the things when it comes to the clinical side that you struggle with or that you wish you were even better at and th- and that's what we did what we didn't do was suddenly just pluck things out of thin air we just realized, right, cool, that's what they want, that's what they need, and we'll frame it for them. And and I've been writing the content today for the clinical stuff, and, and certainly most of it is a is a combination of the evidence around those topics. It's a combination of my reflections, the things I did well and the things I've not done well, the things I've learned, the things people have told us in, in their hundreds that they did right, they did wrong. None of it is you're not going to leave going, all oh, right, that's the answer then there's the piece of paper I need, or there's the skill I need, you're going to leave going, right, I need to go away and I need to think about this. And what you've got then is is this community, of, and, and it's us and it's you and it's other partners that we've all got to go, right, I can be directed now to find out more, more about that. So we want people to start thinking about thinking more, basically. There we go. So, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'm a big fan of everything you do, but people share this. It's Friday and Saturday coming up. There's still tickets. I mean, the tickets are very reasonably priced. Can we talk money? What is the money? Um, they've gone up to the, we had an, a super early bird and an early bird price, which has been around for for a month or so now. They're back up to the full price now, which is £129 for the, the two half days. Um, don't worry if you can't attend. All the sessions are recorded. So, as in true online CPD form these days, you can buy for now for the recordings, watch them at your convenience. Um, if you wish you could attend live but can't and fear you'll miss out on the interaction, Malcolm and I will be available to answer people's questions afterwards. Um, and they come with, obviously, STA20 is the code that we always give you guys to get 20% off. And now the price has gone up to the 129 one. Then they come with a payment plan as well if you need to break it down. I was going to say, I saw payments. that. I thought that was really yeah. clever. I do want to and, ask. And again, yeah, it's very clever. That, that's what people told us they wanted. We started doing events. People said, I want to come, but I can't afford that. I've just reopened after the Brilliant. We'll put something in to help you out. The thing I really want to push, because we've had quite a good amount of sales and a lot of people signed up to come to the two half days friday saturday the real learning to me is the courses afterwards the weekly one hour sessions 90 minute sessions where we have smaller groups and we really attack some of these problems for people that they're they're facing so look on sifcpd.com look at the launch event if it's something that interests you but look beyond that at the courses they're all up there. They're all available. The dates are there for people to book onto. And I think they come in at like a tenner per session. So um, so, so we think they're reasonably priced, um, kicking them all off. And, um, and and it's something I've got I've got the bit between my teeth about. I want these to work. Um, I think it's the thing we can do to really help people direct their CPD. And, and what I really want from it is that when people have done these things, they go away going, right, I know how to start, sort my CPD out. Not that I got all the answers from CIF Health or from CIF CPD, but I'm better prepared, yes, to help my patients, yes, to help my business, but I know now how to think about CPD. Very good. I like, I like, it's a great idea. Um, hats off to you. It's, it's providing people with the consistency. It's exactly the opposite of what we talked about, as in the dangerous forms of CPD, where you do the course and then you're by yourself in the clinic on Monday morning thinking, 
what am I going to do now? Not really, I can't apply it. Or you're going to apply it to everybody. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. And we can see uh, the listeners now have already got a few people here who have signed up looking forward to it. Ada says, I'm really looking forward to the Friday and Saturday sessions. Pandemic left me stuck in my head, but not putting a lot into action. I'm sure that, yeah, I mean, there's a huge club there, Ada. We all belong to that. Sarah Jones says, I've already signed up. Looking forward to it. I think getting back to basics will be hugely valuable. Definitely. And then Becky says, ooh, with at least five O's and an H. I should investigate the weekly sessions. Yeah. Sounds amazing. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of the weekly sessions until now. It sounds. It sounds like a very sensible idea. Um. Right. Well, look. It's getting to eight fifty three. Um. We've already talked a little bit about the future of CPD, and and probably you guys as always are going to pave the way of that. But is there anything else coming up where you think, Gary, in terms of CPD, we're already kind of setting the scene. It sounds like ISRM are doing now in terms of realizing that CPD doesn't just have to come from a, a paid course. You can put things like podcasts in and things you've read. Do you think there's anything else which will start changing now, Gary, that people can look forward to or take advantage of when it comes to educating themselves? Uh, yeah, there are just a few points that while Mike's been talking, I've just made some notes. So one thing that I'm constantly surprised by is the ignorance surrounding CPD. Um, and, and I'm talking about people who come from a, a recent training course, you know, it might be a degree, it might be a diploma, and they don't fully understand what their obligation is they don't fully understand why they need to continually develop themselves so i think as an educator you know we have to take the responsibility to to inform our uh, candidates our student cohorts about how to continually develop themselves so that's one note that i made um it was interesting mike's 80 percent um of the of the fundamentals the things you do 80 percent of the time and if you and i remember matt uh, we did a bit of a straw poll on one of these sessions and we 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 asked uh members to come up with what percentage they perceived their passive interventions contributed to the outcome of the appointment and how much of them as a therapist was important and you know it was quite close and, and we, we said that the therapist uh, you know the experience of the therapist and everything they'd done to that day had a sort of about a 75% um, influence on the outcome of the session and only 25% of it was the passive intervention. So that seems to me like a good rule of thumb. You know, if you're going to do some CPD, by all means, investigate the passive interventions and the modalities 25% of the time, but 75% or 80% of the time, have a look at the things that we mentioned, like the marketing, the business acumen, um, you know, and, and, and one question I would ask, of anybody listening tonight is, um, you know, how well does your marketing reflect what your services are? You know, and we've spoken about it before. That if you if your graduate sports therapist um, is is asking for a greater recognition for their skills, and yet they're the first thing on their their, their CV or their their business card or their leaflet is soft tissue therapy or sports massage, they're going to attract sports massage therapists. So we should look fundamentally at, at why we're trying to make a connection with the person and not necessarily what our skills are. So that, that they're the three notes that I, I made. Now, with regards to moving forwards, I think that to pick up on an earlier point that Mike made, we as the therapists have the power to direct where the CPD is, is moving. You know, and if we are going to support the likes of one day diplomas and one day workshops in, 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 a, in a modality, um, then you know, they're, they're going to continue to be, be there. But if we're going to say, well, actually, look, I've seen a, a, an electrotherapy course online and it's advertised at level five and I'm going to go and do that because I'm only level four. 
I can categorically state that that level five is not a level five course. It might be aligned to some of the learning objectives of a level five therapist, but it's definitely not level five. So look closely at the course content, the blurb, and find out exactly what you're going to get for your money and vote with your purse or your wallet. You know, don't subscribe to these, these you know, distance learning courses, you know, one day workshops, if you don't think that they're going to inform your practice. And over to you, Mike, stuff for the future. You've already mentioned some great plans with, with CIF CPD and CIF Health, but what else do you think is on the horizon in general? I think we'll see the usual stuff. The same people will come along trying to peddle the same stuff. It's They're too stuck in their ways to change too much. So I'd just reiterate that, it, that the future, the change, comes from us as therapists grabbing the CPD bull by the horns and starting to steer it where we want to starting to realize that there isn't a big encyclopedia of therapy that you all need to work your way through. It's a science lab and you can experiment. So if you've read a book that you think is the best book you've ever read, and it could be a therapy-based book or something completely unrelated, don't just read it. Share a picture of it on your social media groups. Share it with your colleagues and say, this book was brilliant because of then someone else will pick that book up and read it or share another book. And we'll build this groundswell where suddenly we reshape how learning is done. And just be open-minded that you can learn many ways and they're all quite effective. So if you want to go on that conference, if you want to go somewhere else, go on it. But don't make it the only way you go to learn. If you want to do something virtually or online, do it. But don't only think that's the way to learn. And be inventive with it. You, you know, it's, it's a playground and you can take it however you want. You don't need to wait for the guy in the corner playing with his ball or his train set and have to think that's the only way you can go and play as well. I agree. I mean, that's uh, Ryan Smith has said, Mike James, love his words of wisdom. It is very empowering, but it's, I mean, he's a great speaker as well, obviously. But it, the message is there. It's we are the power. We've got the power. I'll enter the music. I'll edit it out later on and put some snap in there as well. But we have got the power and we can, if we want to make change, we've said that throughout these courses, throughout these podcasts, actually. If you want to make a change, you want to change how sports therapists and sports master therapists are regarding the rest of the world, we've got the power. It's what we say. If you want to change what CPD is sold to you, well, you've, you know, we've got the power. So, yeah, common message is recognizing, um, yeah, that we have got the power. Great stuff. Um, just so I don't forget, for people who are listening to the podcast, if you are interested in um, that, um, um, session for success mastering the fundamentals then go to um sifcpd.com so that's sifcpd.com this is on the screen now but obviously you can't see it and you'll see all the details about that so it's on uh, friday and saturday um and like i say it might, you might not need it but i think the installment plans of paying in four separate things is fantastic because it breaks it down to I don't know what you get for clients or something. It makes it a far more manageable number. Um, and, the, and the courses afterwards as well. So look for the whole thing, read about it, and then you make an educated decision as to whether it's going to help you. Remember, you've got to decide whether it's going to help you in your practice. But I think the answer will probably be yes for most people. Great. Fantastic. Well, look, it's nine o'clock now. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everybody, uh, for the live session. Um, we're going to be back next week. Um, it was a slight change of plan, but I'm excited to say that next week we're going to be with Tim Allardyce, who's the clinical director and owner of Rehab My Patient Exercise Prescription Software. Okay, so it's going to be all about exercise prescription software, what you use in clinic, where you think the faults are, the benefits, um, 
costs, things like that, all these things with with, uh, with regards to prescribing exercise and software to make it easier for yourself and for the patient as well, which is important. So we'll be doing that next week, um, eight o'clock UK time on Tuesday. Um, Mike, thanks for being such a special guest. My pleasure. Um, great to see you again. Um, and uh, Gary, you're, you're, the, you're the biggest of us. <laughs> Is there anything you want to conclude with? Uh, well, uh, yeah, just to go on from what you said about Tim, um, what we're going to be chatting about is the developments that have been made over the pandemic to the Rehab My Patient software platform. Uh, in particular, I, I know that their plans when I spoke to Tim 18 months, two years ago, was to to include video content. And I think they're 900 videos into the thousand target. So they've been working hard behind the scenes. And Tim will be one of our speakers at the conference at the NEC um, later in the year as well. Fantastic. Sounds great. Um, so, yeah, do join us, share the good word and um, share this video. Once it goes out, we do do what I think sometimes doing these every week is dangerous because they just get disappear. But on Facebook, they can disappear. So do share the YouTube links, if anything. People like videos. It's very engaging. So do please share the links to the YouTube videos. It all goes on to Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah. Again, people, just do please share it. So the shelf life of this great information, which Mike has given us tonight, and Gary, lasts longer than a week. It's very important. Right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, everybody who joined us. We'll see you next Tuesday. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.